0: Now it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live.
1: And welcome to the five o'clock hour of Bob Bernie Live. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Let me give you my telephone number as I do several times every day. And uh, the reason I do that, I love to hear from you. 877 Bob Live, 877 262 5483. Did you hear what happened at uh, one of the Olin schools? schools? Uh, what was this? Was this yesterday? Uh, I th- I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was Friday last. I don't know. Anyway, just re- just recently, something really weird happened at Shale Meadows Elementary School in their third grade classroom. The uh, third grade teacher, Mandy Roback, was reading one of the Doctor Zeus books. Zeus, Zeus, Zeus. I guess it's Zeus. Uh, And it was part of an NPR, National Public Radio, podcast. And uh, she was reading, and the whole thing was organized by Olentangy Schools. Uh, NPR reporter Erica Barris was there, and uh, she was to spend the day in the classroom. Well, one of the persons who organized this, was the assistant director of communications for the school district. I'm not going to mention her name because, as usual, it is not my desire to attack anyone. But she's the assistant director of communications for the school district. And she set this up, evidently, from what I'm reading, in cooperation with a local NPR uh, reporter, and they were going to spend the day in the classroom. Well, as part of the day in the classroom, in this third-grade classroom, there was going to be a reading time. The uh, NPR episode, evidently, is Planet Money, and the the purpose was economic lessons in children's books. Okay, now, first, we're talking third-grade Yeah, we're talking third grade, and NPR wanted to do a podcast on the economic lessons in children's books. Now, I had three kids. I've got grandkids. I've got great-grandkids. Love reading to children. I guess that was not really high on my list when I was picking out children's books Hmm, I wonder what economic lessons are in this book for first graders or second graders. But anyway, that's uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. But anyway, that was the whole thing. It's the episode called Planet Money on NPR. And so they were going to read a children's book to discuss economic lessons. Well, the book that was chosen is the Dr. Seuss book, The Sneeches. I thought I was familiar with all of the Dr. Seuss books, but I am embarrassed to say I was not familiar with the book called The Sneeches. Well, The uh, Sneeches, according to the Seuss family, okay, The Sneeches was published in 1961. And the book, and again, I'm reading from a source from the Seuss family. It's a book about two kinds of sneeches: those with stars on their bellies and those without stars. The plain-bellied sneeches are judged negatively by their appearance, and the others uh meanwhile, the star-bellied sneeches don't like associated with the plain-belly sneeches, so they start paying to have a machine take their stars off. Quote, The Seuss family has said the book was intended to teach children not to judge or discriminate against others because of their appearance and to treat people equally. Okay? Okay. So some have stars in their bellies, some that don't. They judged each other, and the whole theme of the book is don't judge people by the way they look. Well, I would think that would be a really good thing. Well, evidently not. As the teacher began reading the book, one of her students raised a hand, and asked a question. Um, The question was, oh my goodness, I have it here. Um, um, It was something about race. Um, Oh, okay. A student says, it's almost like what happened back then. This is a third-grade student who says, It's almost like what happened back then, how people were treated, like disrespected. Like white people disrespected black people. A third-grade student is heard saying on the podcast, Okay, what a great opportunity to teach third-graders about real equality. Yes, the snitches judged each other by their appearance, And the whole purpose of the book is to teach us not to do that. What a great opportunity. But the assistant, uh, what is her position again? The assistant director of communication or um, the assistant director of communications for the school district stops the reading. Now get this, the teacher is reading. A student raises a hand and evidently, A student is actually understanding the purpose of the book. At what? At that point, the uh, assistant director of communications for the school district stops the reading. This is on a podcast. This is being recorded, and said. I don't know if I feel comfortable with the book being one of the themes featured. I just feel like this isn't teaching anything about economics, and this is a little more about differences with race and everything like that. Well, the teacher keeps on reading, and the assistant director of communication interrupts the reading and says, I just don't think this is going to be the discussion that we wanted around economics So I'm sorry, we're going to cut this one off. Really? Uh, Obviously, the thing has gone viral. And people are on two sides, three sides, four sides. Why did she stop? That censorship. Other people are saying, she's a hero. She stopped a discussion of race when they were supposed to be talking about economics. Here's here's my my observation on this whole thing. Why has everything come down to race in our schools? I've never read the sneches by Dr. Seuss. But according to the family, it was written to erase the distinction between people because of their appearance. What a great opportunity to teach the kids. And I have no idea what the motive, I have no idea what the real motive was of the official from the school district that stopped the reading. But we have become so sensitive that we can't even read a good book to kids anymore without being scared to death that someone is going to interpret it this way or that way. My goodness. Let the kids be kids. Read them quality books. And teach the kids to think for themselves. Yeah, sadly, this thing has gone viral And national. Well, at least we're getting attention again.
0: Today's news God's Word and Your Thoughts. This is Bob Bernie Live.
1: Well, I wasn't going to mention it, but well, maybe, maybe I should. Did you watch the national championship game last night? Hey, Jeff, did you watch the game last night? Did you watch it to the very bitter end? Uh, No, I was following along with it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, In fact, we tuned out before the end of the first half because it was obvious the direction it was going. It was a debacle. It was a slaughter. It was a massacre. Uh, And and, and kind of sad. And for all of us here in Buckeye country, we realize that when Ohio State played Georgia just a couple of weeks ago, we were the better team. Everybody. Even Nick Saban said it. Even Kirby, the coach of Georgia. If you, if you saw him immediately after the game, he was interviewed before he you know went to the celebration and before he walked off the field. And he said, and this is not verbatim, but pretty close. He said, "You know, the Buckeyes probably should have won this game." That was the Georgia coach said. Yeah, they, they. we outplayed them. There is no doubt that the Buckeyes were the better team. Uh, I hate to blame anything on the referees on calls, but in that game, two calls had a profound impact on the game, two of them, that went against Ohio State. Um, we should have won. Came down to a field goal, and, well, that's the way it goes. We, uh, we missed. I feel so bad uh, for the punter. But kickers, they are weird people. I mean they are, they are they are strange people they kind of live for that moment you you know if he had made it he would have been an unbelievable hero uh on the other hand he uh, he missed so anyway i've seen it all over the uh, the internet the real national championship game was the buckeyes in georgia and uh georgia squeaked out a victory What is really fascinating are the final polls that have come out today. I think that most reasonable people in looking at the season as a whole and the playoffs, the last two games of the season, would have ranked Georgia number one, no doubt about it, Ohio State number two they played georgia the closest they were at the end of the season the buckeyes were number 2 one poll has the buckeyes at 4 this is the final poll one poll has the buckeyes at 6 that's nuts um anyway um it was it was not a fun game to watch And you think of the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that were spent to watch a blowout. But that is the nature, particularly of American sports. So anyway, that's uh, the end of my comments about the uh, football season and the uh, national championship game, which was an embarrassment. Uh, Good news. There is the beginning of an awakening about this whole transgenderism fantasy world. There is the beginning. And I want to emphasize it is just the beginning here in America. You can only deny facts... For so long. I mean, you can can only depend upon emotion, feelings, and hysteria so long. Eventually, facts have to mean something. And when it comes to this whole non-binary transgenderism, gender fluidity, it is complete fantasy. It is not based in any kind of scientific fact. And as I've said numerous times in the last several months, the rest of the world is way ahead of us in the awakening. But it's beginning to happen here in America. And if you want a good article, uh, I, I want to make sure Jeff posts it. Jeff, it's the article headline Transgenderism is Experiencing a Crisis of Scientific Legitimacy. It is out of yesterday's Washington Examiner. It is an extremely well-written article by Dr. David Gortler, former senior advisor to the FDA Commissioner for Drug Safety and FDA Science Policy. He is a pharmacologist, a pharmacist, and an FDA and healthcare policy oversight fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. In other words, he's an expert. He knows what he's talking about. And it's it's a well-written article about the real science involved in transgenderism. Listen to this. I'll try to get it in before the break. Quote, every single nucleated cell in the human body has 46 sex-specific XY chromosomes denoting male sex or XX chromosomes denoting female sex. These nucleated cells, in turn, have sex-specific functions that guide their development and biological function. Biological sex is more than just skin deep. It persists down to a microscopic cellular level designated within every one of the 100 trillion or so cells in the human body. It is possible through cosmetic changes to make someone appear more male or female, but it is impossible To alter sex in humans, no matter how many gallons of hormones you give them and no matter how many surgeries you perform on them. That is impossible to disagree with scientifically. And that's why I refer this article to you. I want you to read it, have it at your fingertips. That is settled science. All of the other transgenderism things, fantasy, imagination, feeling, emotion, and nothing more.